What's up, church? How are we today? Hey, good to have all you guys. I know we already welcomed you officially earlier, but let me again just say thanks for uh, any first-time guests here today. Anybody who's been gone for a while back and uh, anyone who walk, who's watching online, really, really good to have you guys here today. Um, I'm going to pray for us real quick um, and just ask God to be with us because I feel like the conversation we're about to go into, for some of you, will be fairly heavy. Uh, and you, and I feel like there might be a little bit of wrestling that goes on. Not Okay, if you're new to church, we're not going to have anyone who jumps on your back that you will physically wrestle, Okay. So, but I just mean that the conversation that we will have in a moment for some of you is going to be fairly heavy. So, um, and if you're a first time guest, uh, or if you're new to, to, to Bible study, I just believe that there are some of you that have walked in this morning and perhaps you're giving God and his church one last shot. So let's just pause for a moment and ask God to be with us and for uh, us to hear what he wants to say to us. So let's pray. Lord, uh, we want to pause. We want to bow our hearts. We want to bow our minds, and we just want to kind of uh, acknowledge that you're real, that you're alive. I think most of us probably would believe that. Some of us, God, might be wrestling with that today, the reality of you. So, Lord, I pray that the reality of you today would be huge in people's hearts and minds. I pray, God, for those that will wrestle with this conversation because of some, some deep uh, hurt. God, I pray that this could be a... a a place where they could feel some, I mean, brand new God-sized help and freedom in their hearts, in our hearts, my heart. So, Lord, be with us today. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. And would you help us to take some maybe very needed steps on behalf of what you want to do in us? In your name I pray. Amen. All right, real quick, before we get into business, uh, it's not often that I get to have uh, my oldest baby girl in the audience from home, uh, come from college, Liberty University this morning. My daughter Allie's birthday was yesterday, so Allie, can everyone say happy birthday, Allie? Come on real quick, happy birthday, Allie. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I've got so many stories about this little girl right here. I love her to death. So proud of her, how of what God's doing in her life, and who knows how long we'll have her. She's got a Huge heart for God, and uh, she'll probably she'll probably move on to do something great soon. So I'm crying. Okay, I'm stopping. <laughs> whoop whoop whoop. Done. All right, good. Got it. Good. Wrapped all that up. Allie, love you. Glad you're home. Um, all right. So we are one last week. Next week, with the last of this series called Running with the Giants. We have pulled out people from the Old Testament because of a Hebrew verse that says that there are, there are those who are giants that have gone before us, that have been cheering us on from heaven. And what we've done every week is basically pull someone out of Scripture and say, man, what can we learn from that person? This week, we're not pulling someone just from the Old Testament, but they were in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and they were all over the place. So I'm pulling from this group of giants, the greatest of all giants in a good way, Jesus, all right? Jesus. So we're going to learn something about, particularly about Jesus today, and we're going to learn how to love like Jesus loved, uh, to kind of set the stage for how we're going to learn how to love how Jesus loved. And this will, this story will help you enter into maybe an area for you where, where it will open up your eyes to maybe some, some bumps and some bruises that will help us learn how to love in a particular area 
of how Jesus loves. So when I was in high school, actually a senior in high school, probably the most devastating, no, hands down, the most devastating thing that happened to me happened in, uh, at that age, at that moment, by my, you know, 18th year, 17th year of school. Most devastating thing up to that point in my life was one day we came into school and my favorite teacher, who I'd known uh, from the time I was probably a kindergartner, uh, and her dad was my coach from Pee Wee all the way through high school sports. Um, we found out that morning that she had been raped and beaten so badly that she was an inch from lo- losing her life. So here we are, uh, like a f- not only just a teacher, but like a family friend, like my mom and dad are still friends with, with this husband and wife, uh, some of the greatest mentors I've ever had in my life, some of the people that I just count to as people who just love God, who've walked by faith, even weathered this experience unbelievably. But I remember sitting in my chair as a senior in high school and hearing this and just wanting to go hurt that person. Um, I can remember when they finally came up with a, a face that they thought might be the person. I can remember my buddies and I would ride around the area because what happened essentially was she would jog with her husband. She was faster than him. He was a big, huge, burly football player, stocky guy. And after about 50 yards, he was gassed, right? Uh, and so she'd get ahead of him. So what happened in, in the daily routine of where they'd run practically every day right by our school, some of it on our school property, someone pulled her out in the bushes and, and raped her. Now, as I say that, and I'm going to walk a little bit further in this conversation, as I say that, I know that there are, there are people in this room, as there were people last hour, some of them came up and talked to me afterwards, who've, who've experienced other forms of sexual abuse. And I know for fact that that is one of the most disgusting, despicable things that happens on our planet. And I, 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 I want to just say to you that we acknowledge that you're here this morning, that that happens, and I want to say that we're sorry. But I remember wanting, and, and I'm just going to be brutally honest, I wanted that guy to go to hell. I wanted him to burn. And I'm emotional just thinking about that, and that my daughter's here, and just realizing that how could someone do that to my friend who is the sweetest, kindest, gentlest woman on the planet? We all, we idolized her as a teacher. And we just literally, I, I could not even have any other thought other than I hope this guy rots in hell. And I hope that doesn't offend you. That's just where I was then. But I'm telling you, in the weeks and the months and in, in the year after that, as we, we grieved as a student body over this, um, God did a work in my heart. I think he prepared me then for things that would come later on in life. I didn't realize that was the only time I'd ever be bruised up and mad at somebody for doing something stupid. And I just want to say that I, I, I know that you come today with stuff that we wrestle with as it comes to being able to forgive somebody. Let me tell you something that, that, um, that really opened my heart and really rocked me. All right, so just a matter of weeks after this incident, I'm in church, and my pastor reads this passage, and this, this messed me up. All right, this scared me, and, and this caused me to start really evaluating where I was on this subject of, of forgiving somebody. So Matthew six fourteen and 15, this is what our, my pastor read, and I've, I've clung to this verse for a variety of reasons, but this says this, For if you forgive other people, 
When they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other, others of their sins, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. And I'll tell you what, then, as I feel some now, I was in full-on panic then. And this verse, I mean, you might feel like, man, what does that exactly mean? Does that mean exactly what it says? Is, I mean, if I really can't forgive somebody, do I not, if I've been forgiven by God, if I'm a Christian, do I not go to heaven? We're not going to really cover that today. But I'll tell you what this did for me then. It put me in panic. And it really caused me to, to, to try to evaluate uh, and understand where I stand on this because I could not forgive that man. I did not want to forgive that guy. I didn't want to go there. If someone had tried to really coach me up and like, hey, man, you got to forgive this guy, I would have blown him off because we were, gonna look, we were looking for this guy because we wanted to get our hands on him because he had wounded and hurt, hurt someone we loved. But in Luke 23, we see the most amazing uh, hands-down um, scenario of forgiveness that, that I want to read to you because I think this will set the stage for us to walk through how do we learn to love like Jesus. This, this is how. Let me, let me start this. Um, imagine in, in Luke 23, imagine here's Jesus, this literal son of God. Actually, he's God in a body. He's God in a bod. Here's the son of God, God himself, and he's hanging innocently between two criminals. Luke 23, verse 32 says this. Two other men, these are these both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there. That's Jesus. They crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Now, let's just kind of pause for a second. I know many of us have probably seen on TV, watched some movies of, of some crucifixions. Maybe you've seen pictures of Jesus or maybe watched, you know, Passion of the Christ or other films that kind of portrayed this. But but when, when, if, if you were in those, those times, the crim, other criminals, this was the, the predominant means of killing someone who had done wrong. So it was what, what culture and custom understood for people that were the absolute worst, right? See where I'm going with this? Jesus was not the absolute worst. He was the absolute best. So the absolute best got thrown in with the absolute worst, and what happened to the worst was they... They were first stripped down naked, completely for the goal of, like, massive humiliation. So everybody could come see the naked person who was the worst as they would put, you know, uh, stakes in their hands. They would lay that piece of wood down. They would stake them to it, both hands and feet, both feet through in one, with a post near the bottom of this cross. They would stand it up. People People could come by. And they could spit in their face. Now, I always envisioned like it was way up there. Like you'd walk by, uh, uh, not envisioning me walking by, but thinking, okay, people would walk by. And it always seemed like they, if they were mad and they would yell and they would spit to try to humiliate this person, they'd be spitting like at their, their like ankles or something because they were so hot. But literally, when they would hang someone on a cross, it was literally they, the post that they would stand on was only probably a foot or two foot off the ground. So when someone would come by, it, it reminds me of when, if you were a kid, or if you had kids, if you have kids, you know, if, sometimes kids do dumb stuff and they want to, like, get mad and spit on somebody. Like, I, I don't remember any of our kids. It wasn't Allie, I assure you. But others of our kids, really, it wasn't Allie. Uh, 
but I can remember kids just wanting to spit at each other. Now, if you're going to spit on somebody, where do you spit at them? Their face, right? No one teaches you that. You don't walk up to somebody, I'm going to spit on their hand. You spit on their feet. No, it, it, there's just something in us as humans. You want to ultimately get even with someone. You want to ultimately humiliate them. You spit in their face. So when you would come by with this naked person hanging on the cross, you could literally shout at their face. You could say whatever you wanted to, and you would spit in their face. Now, pause for a moment. This is what happened to Jesus. So here's Jesus, his naked body, the ultimate humili- humiliation. He's, he's a guy. He, I mean, he's God in a body. He doesn't want to be seen naked. He, he doesn't necessarily want to be spit on. He doesn't but he chooses willingly to go through this because he's got a purpose. He's got a plan. His plan is to, to forgive the world of their sins. His plan is to, to showcase this massive amount of like grace and forgiveness. So here you have the Savior of the world. You have the Creator of the world. And you have the created coming by with the ultimate slap in the Creator's face. So, so as this happens and people are coming by, the public comes by in droves and individuals, and they shout, so you're the king of the Jews, ha-ha, and just spit in his face, spit in his face, time and time and then. They, they spear him inside. His, his innards are, are leaking out all over the floor. This is what he says in Luke 23, 24. Jesus said, and this is just like, I, 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 I don't fathom this. Right, I personally, this is a, this is this is hard for me to grapple with. How do you do this if you're a person to offer someone else forgiveness in this scenario? But this is what Jesus says. Jesus said, "Father, forgive them." Father, he's speaking to his father. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And in this moment, Jesus asks his father, to forgive those who are their very own creation. He's asking his father to forgive them. So let me just relate for just a moment. How many of you have ever, if you've lived long enough, you've been hurt. Most of you have been wounded. Uh, Maybe some of you have have been abused. Maybe some of you have been taken advantage of or betrayed or gossiped about or lied about, or lied to, um, maybe someone cheated you out of something, maybe an employee, an employer, maybe a friend took something from you, maybe you were cheated in your marriage, cheated on, and you've gone through difficulties there, maybe you were hurt by another Christian, and you're like, what in the world? Right? This is supposedly a God follower, someone who's like, they believe the, the God's word. And, they, you know, how, how is that? Maybe you've been bruised by a Christian. And so maybe some of you become a, some of those, because, because some of that, you've held on to some of that and you've, you've got a grudge. Um, maybe, maybe for some of you, yours is not some big, massive, one time offense. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's a long term, small offense. Maybe it's someone who just like nitpicks you and they just poke and prod and point out stuff and they just say stuff and you're like oh, i've heard it so many times but it but it gets to you over time and you're like la 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 you try to tune it out but you but it's still like your mother-in-law's did i say mother-in-law 
not mine. I got a great mother-in-law. My, my, seriously, my mother-in-law is great. But maybe your mother-in-law, when she says stuff, it's like, you're like, seriously, you're going to tell us how to parent still? You're going you're to call us out on that? And it's like just fingernails on a chalkboard. It's like, oh, I don't want to hear it anymore, right? So maybe if you, that's, that's maybe not a big thing, but maybe that's you. But maybe some of you are bitter at, at someone. Maybe you're bitter at God. Maybe, maybe you're mad at yourself. Maybe you did something that you just can't forgive yourself from. So here's the, here's the big question today. And I think this is crucial for us. It's crucial for us on, on multiple levels. It's, th- this question is crucial for us on, the, on, a, on, a, on a physical level. I think it's, it's crucial for us on a spiritual level. I think it's crucial for us as on a, an emotional level. This just really affects us as a whole, how we address this, how we address how we will handle and how we do handle hurt, uh, abuse, betrayal. Um, people, relational woundedness, because we are in a world full of people, right? And we're full of relationships. So how do we, how do we learn to love? How do we forgive like Jesus? So here's the first thing I want to, I want to really walk through this because I think this is going to help a lot of us today who are struggling with this, this area right now. So I think we, we have to ask the question first, how do we, how do we learn to love and forgive like Jesus, first thing is this. And these aren't going to be rocket science answers. You're going to hear them and go, yeah, I could see that one coming. But here, here's what we have to do with these. First one is this. We have to pray for those who hurt us. To pray for those who hurt us, right? I, I, you're like, yeah, I, I could see that one coming, right? You're the preacher. You should say that. Pray for those who hurt you. But here's the thing. When it comes to this, this is so hard to do. Have you ever, like, wanted to pray for the person who just hurt you? <laughs> Was that your first thought? I mean, for a lot of us, that's not the last thought, the first thought, not any thought. I don't pray for that person. I'll pray for you. Pray for you to have, like, injury, right? I'm going to pray for you to fall off a cliff. Pray for you to have hemorrhoids, like, forever, and in your ears, if that could ever happen. But here's the thing. Luke 6, 28 says this. Bless those who curse you, and what does it say? Get that up. And pray for those who hurt you. Yeah, sure. I, I got you. I'll pray for those who hurt me. Mm-hmm. I'll pray you get hit by a truck, right? I mean, that's sometimes what it feels like. But here's what Jesus says in Matthew five forty three for forty through forty four. Have you heard that? Have you heard that it was said? And Jesus is about to launch into something that uh, he takes something that they have always heard that was so customary that was taught to them, that was, that was a part of um, some stuff that they were doing that they were so used to. He takes something that they're used to operating by, used to hearing, and he flips it on its head and says something completely different. It's, it's like, this is like massive. He says to them, you've heard it said because they'd heard it said. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And they'd heard that all their life. In fact, Rome... Romans that were listening, there was a mixture of people that were listening, but the Romans, they literally worshipped a god of revenge. <laughs> that was one of their gods. So they were leaning towards thoughts, statements, customs, and worshipping a god of, yeah, revenge is the way we ought to operate. You don't let anyone get one up on you, you get your revenge. And that was how they were wired, because that was their culture. They also... Uh, 
there was some, a Jewish law that literally said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, blood for blood. Which that means, and we know how that is works, right? If someone hits you, you hit them back, right? If someone someone offends you, you find a way you offend them back. If someone says something wrong to you, you say something wrong. If someone slaps you, you slap them back. If someone hits your car, you hit their car. If someone rides by and gives you the bird, you give the bird back. Now, I want to caution you here because many of you have had the My Church decals on your cars, okay? So if that's an issue for you, don't, don't put that on your car. You guys know the story? You've heard me say before a few years ago, I cut somebody off and I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be so mad. And I'm trying to like, you know, like kind of look at him like, sorry. And I'm getting ready to say sorry. And they come by and they're just saying like, you're number one, right? Just like as big as number one as you can imagine. And I'm like, this dude's fired up. I mean, I cut him off. It wasn't that bad. And I'm starting thinking like, come on, man, chill out. And I'm starting to get a little ruffled. Uh, They ride by and I see nice My Church sticker on the back of their car. Telling the truth. So the Sunday after, I'm thinking, that joker's going to be in church. And I really couldn't recognize who it was, but I was going to have fun with it. So the week after that, I was like, hey, if you're here this morning, I just want you to know I love you. Forgive me, bro. It's all, it's all good. I told the story. You guys laughed. It was funny. But that's why I say to you, hey, if that's you, don't wear the, don't, don't put the sticker in your car. I don't have the sticker in my car because it's not for that issue. It's because I do all the cutting off. Okay? I'm speeding. I'm cutting off. And, you know, I don't keep, I don't really put a sticker in my car for those reasons. So don't want you to know when I lose my testimony whether you not know that okay so so Jesus uh, says you know you've heard it said before right you you've heard this for so many years it's part of your customs love your neighbor hate your enemy he says then he flips the coin this is jaw driving for them he says but I tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and this is like totally opposite of what they're used to they're used to you punch me i punch you back you give me the finger i give you the finger back that's the way we roll it's an eye for an eye or tooth for tooth we want revenge but jesus says pray for those who hurt you now i understand somebody's probably wounded some of you in this room maybe all of you if you've lived long enough you probably have maybe it's maybe someone that was devastating for you maybe um someone betrayed you maybe um you need to pray for them Maybe you need to pray for your friend that lied to you. Maybe you pray for the boss that mistreated you. Maybe you pray for the parent who left you. Maybe you pray for the friend who let you down. Maybe you, maybe you can get to the place where you pray for the person who abused you. Um, but Scripture says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I'm, I'm asking the question, so why did Jesus teach this? Why, why, why was this so imperative? Couldn't he just let that ride? Like, why do we have to pray for him? Well, here's the thing. Jesus taught this, I believe, because attitude precedes right actions. Attitudes precedes right actions. So what this means is, um, let's just, let me give you a personal example. 12, 12, 12 13 years ago, I, uh, I went through probably uh, one of my, yeah, actually hands down, biggest like betrayal of a friend that I've ever had. Big, huge be- betrayal. Somebody I was very, 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 very close to, would consider like the very best friend that I've ever had. We went through a massive betrayal. Didn't know why, didn't know how. Tried to, tried to 
open that door, tried to go there, tried to, what, what went wrong, what did I do, you know, tried to evaluate. Door never opened again. It's never opened to this day. Never, never been able to have any conversations beyond that other than like, hey, bro, good to see you, you know, kind of thing. But the door never opened again. And, and I, I remember trying to teach on this subject and talking about forgiveness and remembering that Jesus says pray for your enemies. Well, here's the thing. When it comes to this, when he says pray for your enemies, I remember attempting to do this. And here's what happened in my heart. When I first started to try to pray for this, I remember seeing I, I, where I drive normally, I would have to pass by his work. So I started feeling like, okay, God, you, you, you want me to commit to every time I drive by his work, you want me to pray for him. So I remember what it was like in the very earliest of, de- of days when that massive betrayal happened, knowing scripturally, Jesus is telling me, I got to pray for this guy. <clears throat> remember, attitude precedes actions. So <clears throat> my heart was messed up. I was mad. I didn't want to pray for him. I didn't want, I mean, I, it was messing up other relationships because I could always, I would always talk to my wife and I would tell her what I wanted to say next time I saw him and I would like relive this stuff over and over my mind and I just couldn't get beyond it for a, a, a pretty good while. So I would drive by his work because my, com- my new commitment was I'm going to pray for this guy every time I see him or every time I go by his work. So I'd go by his work and you know what my prayer was like at first? Lord, I just pray right now that you would just, yeah, you just, you do something. That's what I'd say. And I, I remember going like for two or three days, then weeks, and I'd still be saying, God, I just pray you do something in that guy's heart, right? Then it was like, God, I pray if you do something in his life. Pray something. And eventually, I'm telling you, probably six months, even a year it took for me to get to the place where I would pray, God, would you bless him? Now, five, ten, it's been 12, 13 years later, God's done a work in my heart. I don't carry the baggage any longer. I, I've, I've been able to let it go. Now, that's not massive, right? It's, it was massive at that moment. In the grander scheme of things with some of the things I know you've gone through, that's not huge. But it is a truth. It's a truth about prayer. Prayer often and seldom changes somebody else. But I'll tell you this much, prayer will always change you. So here's the thing. When, it, when, you, when we're dealing with stuff that we're wounded over, that we're mad about, that's got us, the way we change, the way we grow is, and God knew this, he knew it from the time Adam and Eve blew it, and mankind started having problems in relationships because the world had fallen. God knew that there'd be, there'd be some suffering and there'd be some relational issues, and he knew this issue of forgiveness would come up. So the whole picture and God's whole goal is for us to draw near to God. That's what prayer is. Prayer will always shape and change us. Attitude precedes right actions. So here's the thing. Jesus says to us, pray for those who hurt you. Second thought that we have this morning that we see in Scripture is, is again, this is not rocket science, but this is one we've got to live by. We've got to forgive as you have been forgiven. We've got to forgive as we have been forgiven. We've got to forgive as I have been forgiven. You've got to forgive as you have forgiven. That's the key point. As you have been forgiven. How do you forgive others? The way you've been forgiven. How do you forgive somebody 
when it's just seemingly unforgivable. You forgive as you have been forgiven. How do you forgive in someone when they've hurt you so bad and it's so complicated and you can't see beyond the cloud of smoke that you're in? You forgive as you have been forgiven. So here's the thing. Colossians 13 or 3.13 says this. Forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, here it is. Forgive as you have forgiven. Now, I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not, I don't, I'm okay with carrying grudges. I don't, I don't carry a grudge. I think I'm probably too ADD to actually stay in that thought and carry a grudge. But stuff, stuff creeps back up. It does. And I, I, there is stuff I still have to battle. Some, some scars resurrect every now and then in those, in those moments. But here's the thing with keeping a grudge. There's a woman who wrote this. She said, her name's Anne Lamont. She says, Unforgiveness is like drinking a poison and hoping the other person dies. It's, it's like you drinking, drinking down the poison and hoping the other person suffers for it. But who suffers? Holding on to a grudge is poison to your life. And here's my hope. My hope is Whatever someone's done to you would lead you back to Jesus. What did he do for us? He forgave us. What did he do for you? He forgave you. When you're at your, when you're at your darkest time, when you're at your most difficult moment, we need to just step back and remember, wow, Jesus, You've called me to pray for that person. You've called me to forgive as I've been forgiven. God, what have I been forgiven from? Have you ever, I don't, I don't, I don't normally do this. I don't like to do this. It's, the list too long and it's too dirty. But have you, ever, have you ever just thought through all the things you've ever done that are wrong and try to make a mental note of that? I bet, has anyone ever written those out like your entire lifetime of wrongs? Probably nobody. But every now and then you think about, years ago or yesterday or about an hour ago or just this moment, whatever. You think about all the stupid stuff you've done, all the harmful things you've done to somebody else, to yourself. You ever made a list of all the terrible, wrong things you've done and then realize that when Jesus hung on the cross, he had you and all that in mind. When he says to us, listen, I want to bring you life when he, when he, when he, when, when, when he was quoted in the Bible as, as saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That was truth. We can't live life. We can't have life. We can't flourish in life apart from Jesus. So if you're holding on to a grudge, it's going to be like poison to you, and it will ruin all the relationships around you. What Jesus wants us to do is let it go. Why? Because he let yours go. And his hope is that we could flourish and have life and hope in him because of what he did for us. So here's my hope. I want to close with two categories of people. Some of you are Christians today. And this has been a reminder for you of some things that maybe you've been hanging on to. Make a commitment today to start praying for those who've hurt you. 
Start praying today. Start praying. Even if you start with, I hope you do something. Start there. And then start remembering that he forgave you. We forgive others. Why? Because he forgave us first. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we just think about those who of, us, who, of, uh, who of us are Christ followers. And God, I pray you'd give us courage to pray for those who've hurt us and to start forgiving them because we remember our forgiveness. God, give us courage to do that and give us uh, a courage to take a step to commit to that today. And God, I pray for others of us here. There were others last hour who would say, I can't say that I'm a Christ follower. I can't say that there's ever been a moment in my life where I bow the knee to Jesus and I ask for his forgiveness and I ask for him to be the savior of my life or I ask for him to be the leader of my life and I ask for him to be, you know, God and ruler and for me to submit my heart and my ways to him. I I don't know that there's been a place for that, but today I'm carrying some unforgiveness. I'm carrying some hurt. So I don't have the strength. I don't have the gumption. I don't have the forgiveness for my own sins to be able to have the strength to forgive someone else. But you would say right now, Jeff, I would like to be forgiven of my sins. I would like to have a Savior. I would like to have what Jesus did on the cross count for me. How many of you would just say right now, Jeff, that's where I'm at. Would you pray for me? I won't call you out, but you just slip and raise your hand and say, that's where I'm at. Yes. Jeff, pray for me. I want to get forgiveness of my sins. Yes, yes. Anybody else? Just raise your hand real quick and put them down when you're done. Anybody else? Jeff, pray for me. I want forgiveness of my sins today. Amen. I see you. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Pray with me. God, we, we, we pause. And as Christ followers, we celebrate because we've got many that are on the cusp of, of having Jesus in our hearts and having forgiveness of sins and having hope of eternity. So, Lord, right now we ask for your forgiveness. You already did what you did on the cross. You don't need to do it again. It was done once and for all. But God, we're asking that what you did then would count for me now. Scripture says if we confess with our mouths, we believe in our hearts. Scripture says that that we are saved in that moment. So Lord, right now, I pray for those that that raised their hands and others that maybe didn't, that they would just in their hearts, in their minds, reach out to heaven and just say, Jesus, I'm asking that you would save me. I'm asking that you would forgive me. And Lord, right now, I'm asking and committing to make you leader and forgiver of my life. What you did on the cross, would it count for me now? We love you, Lord. Thank you for for your forgiveness. And thank you that we have hope and we have heaven through you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And everyone said, come on. Amen. Guys, hey, go ahead and stand with me. We're going to close with an offer. We've got some guys that are going to pass some buckets around. We have multiple ways to give. Most of you aren't in a custom of giving money in a bucket any longer, right? We do things online. So if you want to be a part of this church, you want to plug in, you want to help pay for what we're doing around here, you want to help uh, give your stuff, leverage your stuff for somebody else's forever, man, we've got ways to do that. I encourage you to do that. But let's listen to this last song. It's one of my favorite songs talks about how Jesus leaves the 99 and goes after the one.
who's lost, who's bruised up, who's broken, who's in need of help. And I want you to put yourself in that story this morning in this song. And let's just raise the roof and praise God.